WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo, former Chief Meteorologist of Channel 4. I am now a Certified Orientation and Mobility Specialist. I have a vision impairment. I have retinitis pigmentosa, and I walk with a white cane. On today's show, I have a very special guest, someone dear to my heart. Uh, His name is Jerry Mullins, and he is a Certified Orientation Mobility Specialist, along with other certifications he's going to get into as well. But Jerry was my blindfold instructor when I went to school to study to become an orientation and mobility specialist. And we're going to talk about the profession of orientation and mobility, how it got started, how to train to become uh, a member of this profession, because it is a profession in such high demand. There are not enough of us out there. So, Jerry, thank you and welcome to the program. Thank you, Carl. Good talking with you again. Yes, and uh, I call Jerry a master Jedi because he's all-knowing as far as being an instructor and teaching students how to become a, uh, an orientation and mobility specialist. So, Jerry, first, tell everybody your bio, where you're from, what you did growing up, maybe what school, and just give us a little rundown of who Jerry is. All right. Uh, so, um, I'm, I'm from Texas, East Texas, um, born in Houston, um, moved around as a kid, but um, I'm a Navy veteran. I I was in the Navy for five years. Uh, I was a Navy journalist, Uh, ran a TV station on the ship. Um, I I, I never acquired the broadcasting voice like like Carl has, has, but uh, um, and then went to college at SFA and um, I became a um, public school teacher and actually did that for 25 years. uh, And I retired to take uh, my present job, which is at the VA at a blind rehab center. And um, so I worked with, so I did different things as a teacher. You know, I started as in general ed, history and English and other things. Um, but I got into a visual impairment and worked with children with visual impairments. And then I uh, started contracting with the state on the weekends to work with adults with who, who had lost their vision, uh, teaching them cane skills. And that's when I realized I, I as much as I enjoyed working with children. I really enjoyed uh, being around adults. Uh, They were very highly motivated. They knew what they wanted. They knew they needed it. And uh, and that led me to my present job eventually. Um, But I am a, I'm an adjunct uh, instructor at Stephen F. Austin University in Nacogdoches. Uh, That's where I met Carl when he was going through the graduate program. Uh, And I was his blindfold instructor during that summer. And that was a fun time. We'll get more into that in a little, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, first, uh, tell everyone, our listeners, what is orientation and mobility and how it got started? All right. So, so you might hear it called O&M. You'll, you may hear the uh, people caught that, but it's, uh, it's two parts. It's the orientation is knowing where you are in space, you know, um, uh, just using uh, landmarks. Um, you know, aside of people, we use landmarks, you know, Turn down there by the big oak tree. You know, we or uh, turn at the heart, uh, the uh, uh, Burger King sign. You know, we use landmarks. Uh, people with visual impairments uh, or who people who are blind who who don't see the landmarks, they they use other landmarks with their cane. They 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 feel um, you know um, differences in the texture of the sidewalk. Um, they may uh, it may be uh, detecting a uh, an intersecting sidewalk or a curb and things like that. And that's how they know where they are. They they have to contact that with the cane. 
to, to know. Uh, the other part of it, the mobility, is being able to walk without hurting yourself, you know, without walking off of something or tripping over something. Uh, it's just the mobility aspect. So we're, we're teaching both of those, and they, of course, work together to, to keep uh, a traveler safe. How did, they, how did O&M get started? Tell us the story about the uh, World War. About the what? I'm sorry. The World War, how it got started in oh. uh, veterans. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. So uh, O&M, Orientation Mobility, it's, 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 um, it's a pretty young field. Um, uh, you know, people, um, even back, uh, you know, years ago, they, they would use, talking about blind people, they would use, uh, you know, ways to get around. And, um, you know, they tried the canes and things like that. So there were white canes. <clears throat> they just weren't like, they're not, they weren't as long as they are now. And there's a reason why they're long. Um, but during uh, World War II, uh, we would have service members, uh, Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, Air, um, Army, Air Corps. They were coming home and they were blinded in war, either by explosions or chemicals or accidents or shot. And they, um, the Army, uh, started uh, a couple, several uh, centers uh, around to uh, rehabilitate them so that they could, you know, return to civilian life and be um, feel useful, you know, and be productive and uh, have confidence and be independent. And so these, these uh, you know, these service members, these people that had fought in the war, they, they, um, they wanted to be independent, you know, they, they didn't want to um, be this, you know, stereotypical, which at that time, you know, uh, you might see people begging on the street, you know, who are blind or, you know, are doing things to try to survive. They wanted to go back home and pretty much do what they had been doing. So uh, there were training programs and um, they, um, you know, they had uh, some people who themselves were blind uh, or had lost their vision who had uh, learned ways to, you know, to, to get around. And um, that's when the, 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 what we call the, sometimes called the long cane, uh, which is a white cane, but it's, it's longer than what it was previously because you want it that long because it gives you what we call preview. It, um, when it contacts something, your tip, you want enough time, you need enough time to be able to stop or, you know, maneuver around that, that uh, obstacle. Um, and sometimes you'll have to, called the Hoover cane, which it was perfected by Dr. Hoover. So um, anyway, so that that's where orientation mobility came from. And, and after the war, these centers, see these, the, the, the military members that are coming home, they were still active duty while they were going through this training. They were not discharged until after they completed the training and could go home and, you know, be independent. Um, so after the war, the VA uh, created the first center at, at Heinz, um, Heinz Hospital in Chicago. That was the first blind rehab center. And now there's 13 around the, the country. So, um, and, and by the way, I'm, um, you know, I don't represent the, the VA as I'm talking. I do work there, but, you know, I, um, I'm not, I don't represent or speak for the VA, but I, that is very important history uh, because that's where the, the profession really started. And it didn't, really transferred to children until 
later. And the schools would see what the VA was doing. And they started, you know, they wanted to get in on, and, you know, train their, their students, their young students. So now, you know, children as young as, you know, three or four months old actually start getting trained, not with a cane, but they, they are learning to get around, you know, and they'll have pre-cane skills where they, they learn to eventually, if they need to, use a cane. Now, Jerry, we know that mm-hmm. this profession is in such demand. So this uh, this interview is basically talking about the education part of it to maybe encourage somebody out there that has grandkids or young students or maybe even an old man like me that changed my profession in my 50s to become an orientation and mobility specialist. So uh, that's why we want to talk more about the education and the training for it. So when, when I first went to Stephen F. Austin for my training, I had to go on campus for the first six weeks, because that is called blindfold classes. So, talk, tell us about that. What's involved with that? Well, so there are there are several um, orientation mobility programs around the nation. Uh, Stephen F. in Texas, um, there's two. There's one at Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, and there's one at Texas Tech University, and then there's others around the country. Um, but uh, uh, so, yes, you were right. What you said about that there's a shortage, there's definitely a shortage, and people don't know about it. And how people find out about it is they may see, uh, maybe they have somebody in their family that has vision loss, or they, um, you know, they may see somebody walking on the street with a cane, and there's somebody beside them that's kind of walking a little bit behind them, and they'll approach them and say, you know, can you explain this? And the, you know, that, that they tell them about it, and it's just, it's an exciting field. It's an exciting job, and it's not very well known. Um, there are grants uh, that, for instance, I got my orientation mobility certification. Uh, it was paid for because uh, there's a great need for it, and the federal government knows that, and they, they provide grants to different schools. I went through, Carl and I went through, a, a, a master's program, uh, a graduate program. Um, so we already had we already had a degree in some other field. I was English and history, and so um, Carl, you were uh, meteorology. Yes. And um, you know, so we did a, the undergrad. I mean, I'm sorry, the graduate program. Now SFA uh, in Nacogdoches, Stephen Boston, they are the they have the only undergraduate O&M program. So you can actually major now. Your major, your major will be in rehabilitation with an emphasis on O and M. That's the only program. Again, and I'm not representing SFA. I do. Uh, uh, I'm an adjunct, but I, I'm not their spokesman. So, I, but I did want to say that they're the only undergrad program. So, you know, and they're looking. They're they're uh, they're looking for students all the time. So, um, we really we need we need people to check into it. Um, and it's a it's a fun job, right, Carl? It's very fun. It is. I enjoy working with adults, especially because you know I can relate to what they're going through with their vision loss, yeah. and part of that training was because you know for six weeks you had me and uh, my our partner, my partner Kendra Dean. Um, mm-hmm. under blindfold. So for six weeks, uh, four hours a day, we're traveling with a blindfold on and not using any vision at all. And 
that was the part of it that really gave you the sense of how much you need to depend on that white cane. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you asked me, to, I, I'm sorry, I, I neglected to talk about the blindfold training. So the, the purpose of the blindfold training, um, and it sounds scary, doesn't it? I mean, you're to, to be blindfolded, um, and, and it is at, at first, but we, uh, you take it slow. You start off in a building. You know, you have uh, your, your um, certified orientation mobility instructor who's with you. Uh, they're not going to let you hurt yourself, right? You know, they'll let you problem solve and make mistakes, but they're not going to let you hurt yourself. And you start off with, without, before you get a cane, learning how to, what we call trail a wall, where you use your uh, side of your hand to follow the wall, um, you know, you start using your hearing better, uh, your senses, and then you, in a couple of days, you get your cane, and then you, but you, you do baby steps. And so by the time you're doing really advanced things like crossing intersections, which sounds very very scary but you have worked up to you've worked done all these skills to work up to it um and then you you know it, it's i'm not gonna say it's easy but you, you start learning these skills you put the blindfold on it's not to see not to so you can say well i know what it's like to be blind because you're not going to know that because you get to take the blindfold off it's to like carl said it's to trust the cane to know that that cane it, it using the techniques you've been taught it's going to keep you safe. It's going to detect stairs or a drop-off or a curb or, or a halt or something like that. It's not, it's going to, if you pay attention to the, the feedback that that cane's giving you, uh, it, you, you it's, you're going to be safe. So we, the, the, like the intersections, um, you know, you, you're wondering how does a blind person know when to cross, right? They can't see the light. They're at the corner. Uh, there are the, there are audible signals that that whistle or beep or you know some give you some sort of signal to tell you that uh, it's time to cross right that you have the right of way. Uh, but there we we teach techniques where you are using traffic patterns, and I won't go into great detail on that. But you're you're using your hearing and you know when to cross based on when cars are stopping and other cars are going and certain what we call surging and um so that's one thing you learn and it's and it is fun and we we had some laughs on our uh, lessons didn't we carl we had some laughs i ended up at standing in the middle of a street not knowing where i was and standing there for a while we also yeah. had some scary moments too uh uh, that one incident when kendra was blindfolded and she was about to cross and it's yeah. it seemed okay to cross but you know how sometimes cars try and beat that red light, that yellow light? Well, you you yanked her back right away because she was about to step in front of a speeding car trying to whistle through the intersection. Yeah, and that shook us up because Kendra did everything correctly. Um, and she was at an audible signal, and the, the audible signal gave her the, you know, the signal to, it's time to cross. And this car, this was not a yellow light. This car ran a deep 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 red light i mean it was way after the light turned red um and the thing is we that she could have killed sighted people it had nothing to do with her being blindfolded it had everything to do with that this lady in the, the the red light and um and that's the thing it, um people are driving around and um and we saw you know uh, when people, when we're not blindfolded we're standing with the when he's blindfolded and you're watching other cars driving, like they'll be at the red light 
they're texting while they're at the red light. And then the light turns green, they, they go and they haven't even looked up yet. You know, they, so everybody can be in danger, whether you have vision or not. Uh, people just are not paying attention. And it's just, uh, you know, it's dangerous for all of us. And, and people really need, need to get back to paying attention to uh, what's in front of them. Absolutely. Now, Jerry, rattle off some of the other classes that are involved with this kind of program. I know one of my favorites was the eye anatomy class. I found that so interesting to learn about the inside of the eye. And even uh, dissecting an eye didn't, you know, I was excited and thrilled about that. It was it was pretty cool to see that. It was that was a cow eye. It was a um, and that was and it was because uh, as you dissected it, all these you know, you know, you've heard of the pupil and the iris and all this, but to actually put it in your hand and see that what the iris is really like, and and just to see and to it just really helps you understand how the eye works, and that the eye is pretty tough, actually, right? I mean, it's it's a pretty um, tough organ. Uh, I mean, you can really, you know, you can put your, you know, you can uh, damage your eyes and injure your eyes, but. Um, um, so we, yeah, we did, we took that and learned about, you know, eye anatomy. Um, we, you know, we learned about psychosocial, um, uh, the psychosocial effects of blindness. You know, you have kind of like a, it was sort of like a grieving process when somebody's losing their vision or they've lost their vision, you know, uh, denial, anger, bargaining. I mean, you, you can go through there until, uh, you know, you get to a point where you start trying to cope with your loss. Um, uh, low vision, um, and, and, and I know Carl, uh, we've talked about this before, we're talking about low vision, uh, legal blindness, blindness. So, you know, there, there's a spectrum. So you may see somebody with a cane walking, but you're going, you know, I think they kind of see, well, they might, um, visual impairment, uh, and just because you're visually impaired doesn't mean you have to have a cane or you need a cane. I'm sorry, that you need a cane. Uh, but uh, you don't have to be, you're not necessarily totally blind to use a cane. For instance, if you just, if you have your central vision and you've lost your peripheral, you're not able to see the ground when you're walking, you, um, you know, uh, without looking down. And you don't want to walk looking down ever because you could run into something further down. So, you know, looking up straight ahead, you can't see the ground. Therefore, you're going to trip, fall off stuff. So a cane is needed, even though the person has a little bit of vision. So we call that low vision. Um, and legally blind doesn't mean you're totally blind. It means, you know, you have 2200 acuity in your better eye um, with correction. So, you know, you, so your better eye, uh, the one that works the best, is 2200 or worse. Or you have a field loss. So, you know, there's there's a lot of misunderstandings about blindness, and you know, people will see someone who's got a white cane and they're looking at their iPhone. Well, yes, if you, you can be have low vision, uh, you have poor vision that's affecting your life, but you can use your iPhone either visually. There's they have uh, uh, zoom features, everything. You know, if you need to, if you can use it visually, or if you're totally blind, you can use the iPhone using uh, accessibility tools on the that the iPhone offers. And you're right, because a lot of times I walk around with dark sunglasses because I, I need, I'm light sensitive outside. And so I'm walking with dark sunglasses. I have a white cane. 
people assume yeah. I'm totally blind because that's right. the stereotype. But when I walk by them and I say, hi, how you doing? They're mm-hmm. like, hey, he can see. Wait, he's not blind. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, sometimes there's an education, you know, lesson there that I tell them, well, not everybody with the white cane is blind and some people right. see differently. And so I, I see it as an educational moment. And I do that a lot mm-hmm. with Uber drivers and Lyft drivers that pick me up at you know, they asked me, wait, do you mind if I ask you, you're not blind, are you? You can see. And I said, yeah. And, and then we would go into that and that advocating, you know, mm-hmm. process that I love doing so much. Uh, Jerry, besides, yeah. you know, where else can somebody work as an orientation mobility specialist? Name the kind of facilities that people can do this sort of job. Okay. So uh, we have, uh, so you've heard of uh, Lighthouse for the Blind or Lighthouse. I think, Carl, you're a little familiar with that organization, right? Yes. You work there. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, so Lighthouse, uh, you can walk, work for a school system. The uh, certification is a national certification, um, and you can, in fact, you can actually use it in several other countries like Australia and New Zealand and Canada. It's recognized there. In fact, that's the certification they get. Um, you can, okay, I said schools, uh, Lighthouse. You can work for private agencies, um, uh, oh, uh, the state, so the, the, uh, each state has disability services. They, they call it different things. Uh, in Texas, it's, it's uh, Texas Workforce. And, uh, and the purpose, usually the purpose is to uh, help somebody become employable uh, despite their disability. So maybe they may be blind or vision impaired, low vision, uh, uh, deaf, hard of hearing, uh, you know, other disabilities. And that, so they provide services to help you become independent, but also so you can work which working, you know, builds self-esteem and makes you more independent. So that's their that's their goal. Um, uh, uh, the Veterans uh, uh, Veterans Affairs um, has, 13, as I said earlier, 13 blind rehabs around the nation, um, and that's open for veterans who are um, who have vision loss, and it doesn't have to be based on their. Um, it didn't. Have, it doesn't have to be service connected. Um, what else, Carl? Um, that sounds like it. But so there's places to work. You may yeah. you may have to move to find a facility, mm-hmm. but uh, there are plenty of places to find these jobs. As we mentioned, they're in such demand. Uh, yeah. Jerry, talk about the difference between working with a, an adult and working with a child. All right. So, <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with the adult first. And and uh, and again, as I said earlier, I enjoyed my 25 years in public education, working with children uh, with disabilities and without and um, uh, but you know, if if you've had kids, you, it's you, they may they may not see the value in what you're doing. I know that uh, I've talked to um, I, I've, I've got I've had friends and coworkers who who are visually impaired who, when they were a child, they would hide from the uh, O and M instructor. You know, when they came around, because they didn't want to be seen as different. Uh, they didn't, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not generalizing here. I'm just, uh, this does happen. And, but a, a lot of kids, they, they don't want to use their tools. You know, they don't want to use, they don't want a white cane because it, it, it's not cool. It, white cane is meant for it points them out, right? That's what, a, that's why it's white. You want to be able to see that cane, but they don't want, you know, to be different from their, their friends. They, what we call it, we, we call it passing where, um, they really try where people don't even know they're visually impaired. Um, and they can get away with that sometimes or, you know, up to a point, um, you know, and then, so anyway, so with the kid, um, you know, you, you, you've got those challenges, um, but you can build rapport. I mean, uh, the children I worked with, um, 
you know, we built a rapport. We built, we had an understanding. You can't be one thing you can't do as an O and M instructor that you you know that te- you know te- when you think of a teacher, you know, you, uh, they're very uh, sometimes t- teachers are very rigid. This is how we're going to do it. It's my way, the highway. With O and M, you it's individualized. You have to go along with their needs, their their strengths, their 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 desires, right? You know what they really want to do. You have to kind of uh, play it that way. With adults, uh, you can't you can't come across as a the teacher. You know you there's you can't use a there's no you're not going to be able to play that authority card with an adult. Uh, and and again, building that rapport and building that relationship is very very important because they've got to be able to trust you. You're taking them out. Uh, sometimes you know depending on what. Their goals are, you may be crossing intersections, which are, you know, can be very scary at first. And if they don't trust you, if you've let them um, walk into something, right, uh, you know, I would, I, I want them to, you know, I mean, walk into it with their face, you know, or hurt themselves or uh, they're not, the trust, they don't trust, and then you're not going to be able to teach them. So you have to kind of spend some time just getting to know them, listening to them, um, listening to uh things they've come up with on their own. That's the thing. People who lose their vision, they, out of necessity, sometimes they're coming up with these ideas that they weren't taught, and you have to respect that. And sometimes, and they're good ideas a lot of times. Sometimes they're not safe, though. And then you have to tell them that, look, that, uh, I, I see where you came from on this, but let me show you something where you're not going to get hurt or get run over. Like, for instance, I, uh, when I was contracting with the state, I worked with a, a, a client who uh, at where he lived, he was crossing uh, mid street, right in the middle of the street, instead of going down to the light to save time. And I really had to discourage that because, first of all, it's not legal, and number two, definitely not safe. And he was saving about five minutes doing that. So, um, so that's that's really the difference. You just, um, you know, you really have to get the uh, with an adult, well, both both part adult and children. You got to give them the buy into it. You gotta help them see the importance of it. Otherwise, it's yeah, and, and you know, it, it, the goals for adults come from them. Where the kids it might be an IEP or the school system come up with the goals of what they they definitely want to yeah. do. Jerry, there's so much more we could talk about. Unfortunately, <laughs> we are running out of time because wow. you know you and I can chat forever about a lot of different things. So, yeah. and I, I want everybody to know that this is a profession that is in such demand. It is a great opportunity to help others. I definitely enjoy what I do, and I thank Jerry for that because Jerry was an excellent excellent instructor, very calm, very informative. And even before our lessons, Jerry would be out scouting our route, you know, so make sure that we weren't in for any surprises. So I want to thank Jerry Mullins, not only for being on the show, but for being a wonderful uh, role model, uh, instructor, you know, somebody that I can look up to and I do call a master Jedi. So Jerry, thank (laughs) you very, very much. Well, well, thank you. And I am so glad I got to meet you. Um, uh, it's been several years now, three or four, four years, five years. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you, you know, I've told you this, you're, you're going to be a leader in the field. You are, uh, you know, with your media experience and your, you know, people, you know, and your, your love of educating people, uh, in a kind way. I mean, I'm very proud of you and I'm glad to know you. Well, thank you very much, Jerry. And, uh, we will definitely, uh, continue to keep in touch and, uh, chit chat. And if I get back to Texas, I'll have to stop off and, uh, and see you for a cold beverage. 
right. Sounds good. All right, Jerry. Thank you very much. You have been listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. Thank you for listening. I'm Carl Arredondo.